I feel the master. I feel we them. Y'all ready? ready? They ready? Well, come on. We well, come on. Ready. Welcome to Blue Blood TV. My name is Asan Pinto, and I'm here with Cambria Haro and Natalie Bodie. And our guest speaker today is going to be Art Chansky, the author of Blue Blood. We're going to talk about everything Duke Carolina because we ready today. Are you ready, girls? We're ready. We're ready. I just love that track. Ride with me. We ready. Dirty South style. Archie Eversall. Ladies, you ready for this week? Heck yeah. Absolutely. Duke Carolina week. It's crazy. Yo, this is like Super Bowl here in bigger the South. Than that. Bigger, bigger than, than that. Super Bowl. <laughs> it's bigger than Super Bowl. I mean, everybody gets really crazy. I think we've been waiting for this day. Oh, oh, all, yeah. all year. Of course. Of course. So, so this show highlights uh, the upcoming game, the individual matchups. It talks about um, Blue Blood TV. We're going to have Art Chansky on the show um, and game day strategy and predictions. You guys ready to go? Yeah, we're ready. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's go. Topic one. We're going to discuss the Duke Carolina game. Cambria, I'm going to start with you. What are the keys to success for Duke? Well, we know that UNC is a very good offensive team, but Duke is a very good defensive team. So that will be an interesting clash. So keys to Duke, they're going to need to force turnovers. They're going to need to get into transition. It doesn't hurt to shoot some threes, but they're also going to have to defend the three-point perimeter considering UNC is a very good three-point shooting team. And they're also going to have to out-rebound Carolina. All right, so we're going to switch it over to our Carolina pundit, Natalie. What's up, Natalie? How you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, I think the keys to the game for Carolina, we're going to have to see a big game from Kobe White and Luke May. We can't have any more inconsistency from Luke. We really need him to step up here. I think he's capable. I think he gets up for the big games, and then we need some freshman spark from Kobe White. All right. Well, we got our guest contributor here. His name is Art Chansky. We're going to bring him and see what he thinks. Hi, Haas, and happy to be here with you and these uh, lovely smart young pundits here um, about the rivalry that uh, turns the entire area and nation on its ear. And uh, this is this is a renewal of it. It's a little late this year because it's usually right after the Super Bowl, but now we're going to have two games in two and a half weeks. So, so. so, Artie, what do you think about the game? What are the key factors for Duke, and what's the key factors for uh, UNC to uh, come out with a victory? Well, <clears throat> I, I think um, UNC, uh, the Tar Heels, have to keep it close because if they do, then uh, the tradition of Carolina playing so well over there kicks in. Uh, the Dukies know that. The players have heard about it. Uh, the students uh, camp out uh, this year for a month and a half uh, to sit in there and go crazy, and if they lose, it's really devastating for them. So they understand 
uh, that Carolina has won over there at times. In order for that to happen, uh, Carolina has to have a team that's that's in the same ballpark as far as being equal to Duke, and then they have to keep it close. They they can't allow themselves to get blown out, and Duke can blow you out uh, because of their speed. But Carolina's faster than Duke, so so they'll they're going to run with Duke, uh, and the key is exactly. This is the way Duke is going down in the NCAA tournament. Uh, someone is going to contain, not stop, uh, Zion and R.J. Barrett, and then Duke's going to have a poor shooting game. All, All right. right, so let, let's 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 get into that. Let's talk about the matchups. Let's talk about the first matchup. Cambria, I know you want to talk about this matchup. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's Trey Jones and Kobe White. Um, Cambria is Trey tough enough to stop my boy, my guy. Okay. All right, we can chill with that. My guy. We can chill with that. Kobe but White. I think so. Trey is one of the best defenders in the country. But I do think that Kobe is going to get a, give him a run for his money. But I think it will be a great matchup. And in order for, I think... They're gonna have. They're gonna. Carolina is gonna really have to switch up the def, the defense in order to get Kobe to score. Because I think that I think that Trey is gonna give him a difficult time. Okay, let me ask you a question. You know, I'm not a fan of of Trey. I mean, because yeah, it's obvious. he doesn't score. Mm-hmm. Does he? What is he gonna do? Walk it up the court and just flip it over to Giant and get a get a uh, get an assist? I mean, I need my pen. <laughs> Does he need to do any more than that? I mean, we've been talking about, I talked about this last week. There's more to basketball than scoring. And when you have R.J. Bear, when you have Cam Reddish, when you have Zion Williamson who can score the ball, Trey just needs to get dish them out the ball and give them a to give them the the open shot. But I think that Trey shooting and making the making his shots that that will help a lot. Okay, so let me ask you a question: What if he doesn't score and Kobe gets thirty? What did Trey do? Not do his, not do his thing. So, so you're <laughs> saying that Trey is going to shut Kobe White down? I think so. I think that he's going to shut him down. Okay. All right. So let's uh, let's 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 keep going on with Duke. We're, we're, you're in the hot seat. Okay. <laughs> um, does Duke need Cam Reddish to score and shoot more than four three pointers to win? I think that they need everyone to score, honestly, especially with an offensive team like UNC. Duke is going to need everyone on their team to contribute in some sort of way, especially scoring. So if Zion Williamson, I think Zion and RJ will come out with le- uh, at least 20 points. So that I think that's expected. But I think Cam Reddish really needs to step up his game in order to get the win. Okay, I'm going to let you off the hot seat. Natalie, Art, we got to dig into this. What do you think about uh, RJ Barrett? What do you think about Trey Jones? What do you think about... Um, Cam Reddish. I mean, what do they have to do for Duke to be successful? Let's start with Natalie. Go ahead. I mean, they got to be stellar on both ends of the floor. I mean, they got to hit their shots. They got to play great defense. But I think Cambria has a point and that Duke has played better defense than Carolina so far. But on the offensive end, Carolina could give them a run for their money. And, and like Art said, we're a faster team. Faster. Art, jump in here. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's all five guys who have to score for Duke. It's the big three, and Carolina's job is to take one of them away. What worries me is that Cam Reddish has played great lately. Mm-hmm. He he was the key to really the Louisville game. So, and I think that they're going to try and 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 uh, shut one of them down. And and I hope Roy switches defenses a little bit. He's very stubborn about that. But if he switches defenses like has been suggested here, then it gives him a chance. On the other hand, Duke will switch defenses. They'll go to the zone. And they'll uh, try and make us beat them from outside. Uh, and Carolina can do that if they're shooting the ball. If Carolina does not shoot the ball tonight, 
or to Wednesday night. <laughs> they have no chance. I wish it was tonight. They have no chance uh, if they don't shoot the ball well from outside. And, and that's, that's really um, been shown in every game they've played this year. All right. Okay, so now we're going to let Cambria off the hot seat. But now, Natalie, you're in. You're in there. Now i got some questions for you, Natalie. Yeah, go ahead. How do you stop the most dominant low-post force, Zion Williamson? How do you stop him? Well, you don't uh, <laughs> because you can't. So you, you don't. You try to contain him. And, you know, here's a cop-out answer, but you hope he has a bad game. You hope he and has it. And that's what I chalk that up to. Okay. So, uh, all right, how do you stop him? Well, you don't let him have the ball five feet from the basket. <laughs> I mean, that, the, he is unstoppable, and, and I don't think Carolina will let him do that. Uh, he'll get there some, and they'll, they'll get their runouts, and there'll be this big dunk, and Cam will go crazy. But it's only two points. <laughs> Carolina does a good job in pushing Cam, uh, Zion away from the basket, and if he gets it at 10 feet, then he's got to put it on the floor. He's got to maneuver it, and he turns most of the time to his left. And I know Carolina, Kenny Williams is somebody who's going to jump in front of him as he's making his left-hand move uh, to try to draw a charge. Okay, Cambria, we're back to you. I know you love those Dukies, but um, can Williamson be stopped? Is there any flaw in his game other than his lack of ability to shoot the three-pointer? Can he be stopped? See, I, I, it's hard to say just because I don't think we, I don't think I've seen a team that's done that yet. But I think that. UNC is going to have to change up their defense a lot. I know that they do man a lot, but in order to stop Zion, you might have to try zone because you need more guys on Zion. You can't just have one guy. Who, 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 who matches up with him? Who's going to mark this guy? I think the closest that's going to come is Nazir Little. They have the, they ha- he has the size. He has the length. And he played him in the summer in the McDonald's um, tournament, and he, he matched up with him really nicely. So he has that experience to d- defend Zion and play against Zion. But the question is, how many minutes is he going to get? Is he healthy? Is he healthy? That's the question. Is he healthy? Anyone know if he's healthy? I haven't seen a report yet. Is he, is he healthy? And if he's not the guy, can Luke do the job? I don't think so. <laughs> can he do the job defensively? Oh. Can he do the job defensively? Can he do the job offensively? We had a thing here. We call him good Luke. Bad Luke. We yeah. don't know who's showing up, right? We, we we got this guy that scores 30 points, and then another game he comes in and scores four four points. Well, I, I, mean, hate, I hate that cl- cliche about who shows up. Everybody shows up to play. <laughs> the team that plays best wins, and Luke has bad matchups sometimes. I mean, he's not the quickest guy in the world. He's not the best jumper in the world. So he has bad matchups, and when he has bad matchups and doesn't shoot the ball in with his fall away and, you know, those You know, Art, things. that's an excuse. No, it's not. He's, he's a limited player. He's, he's, a, he's a limited player. Yeah. And he, maybe the role that he's getting and the amount of looks that he's getting at the bucket, he's not capable of doing it against top 10 teams. That's why you have this discrepancy of good Luke and bad Luke. It's not that Luke is not trying. It's that Luke is not capable of doing certain tasks under certain performance when he has a long big on him he's not big enough to be in the paint Natalie what do you think about that you know I think this game is going to be really telling for Nasir Little and Luke uh I I agree that he's a limited player but I also agree that he does show up sometimes more for certain games than others I mean his record against NC State is kind of a, a testament to that and I, I, I just hope that he has a big game for us because I think if he has a big game for us, it could change a lot of things. And like I said, we need Kobe as well. So, you know, I'm not really sure if I, if I chalk it up to him, him being 
a limited player, him having bad matchups, but I, I certainly hope Wednesday he's there. Okay, Natalie, I'm not letting you up the hot seat. Let's talk about Nasir Little. Um, what's his role in this game? I mean, do you know? Do we know at this point in the season? Well, I mean, I, I've consistently been a bit disappointed with his play. I mean, he's it, lately he's been better, but I, I just think that he should have been a player that's had a Kobe White impact so far. You know, he was our best recruit. He was is our he, most is he getting enough recruit. touches? I mean, maybe not, but what's he doing with his time? You know, and if you're getting any time you get on the floor, you got to make an impact. Make a case for yourself to get more time, and he has recently, but he's just been so inconsistent and le- less inconsistent in, in conference play. But I just still don't know exactly what I expect from him, and I'm disappointed by that. Okay, Cambria, let's talk about Nasir. I mean, does he do anything in this game? Is this his game? Can this be his game? What do you think? I think that the crazy hype that's in the game will actually feed into his confidence. I think because he has the experience to play against Zion Williamson, he's going to come in and he's going to... I I want to see a big game from Nas because I think that he is so talented and I think that this game could be very telling of that. And I'm very curious to see what Art has to say. Art, what do you think? Nasir? Um, he has to learn how to play basketball. I mean, he's a great athletic talent and that's has been problem at this level. I mean, he got really most of his chops by... MVP in an all-star game when they played no defense whatsoever. <laughs> so so he comes in and he's playing yeah. <laughs> he's playing against a higher level competition and he doesn't really and that's not his fault. It's it's uh it's you know how he was trained coming up but he he he's learned learning how to play basketball in the process and I think the best thing Roy has done is tell him to don't worry about anything, take the ball and go to the basket. You're not going to beat people with the mid-range and the long-range jump shot. Though he can knock both of those in. But he's going to be the guy who takes it to the basket. And uh, Zion's been in foul trouble recently. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to try and do that again. Uh, They're not going to shy. They're going to try and run with him. They're going to spring the trap on him every once in a while. Uh, I look for for Roy to coach a a good game in terms of of the way he changes up the tempo and so forth. But uh, I think Naz's job is to take the ball right to the hole. And if if he picks up a charge... No big deal. He's not going to play that long anyway. That he's going to fall out of the game. Amen. All right. So let's let's say go right there. So um, to get Zion in foul trouble, I think uh, Roy's going to use a lot of guys, right? So Natalie, how many guys do you think he's going to play? The whole team? Play tech? You know, that's a difficult question because I, I'm not certain on that one. Honestly, I think he's he's going to use his depth to his advantage, but I don't know who you're going to see, and I think he wants to keep it that but, way. But, but look, we're almost through the ACC season. And we have no idea of what his rotation is. Early on the season, I'm fine at it. We're building for April. We're building for March. But we're almost in March. And I'm not even sure if Playtech gets five minutes. Is it worth Playtech getting five minutes when we can give Nasir those minutes so that he can develop? I mean, how deep into the bench do you think he should go? I mean, if you're asking my opinion, I, I agree with you. I don't think if someone like Playtech should get significant minutes. I wish we could see Nasir more, but it just depends what he does with his, his time. And again, he's going to use this con- Roy is going to use this contrast of the depth he has versus the four guys on Duke's team that their talent is saturated in those four guys and they're going to play the entire time. He's going to use that to his advantage, but I, I think that the fact that we don't have a clear answer to this question – plays into Roy's favor. He doesn't want this is everyone the, okay. to know. This is, okay, so uh, you say this is good. So let's switch over to Cambria. You know, Roy plays this huge rotation, fresh players. The thing about the Duke-Carolina game is nobody takes any plays off. It's tough defense, up and down the court. They're checking people the whole length of the court. 
how will this huge rotation affect Duke's play? Because this is going to be new for them. Well, here's the thing. UNC has a, has rotation. They have players, but they're really just going to be playing the players that have come out to play. And sometimes that Playtech, he could get minutes if he is showing Roy that he can play against this Duke team. And I, I don't think it's really going to affect Duke very much. I think, if anything, UNC is going to have the advantage to give players some time to rest so that they can you know rest up and come back in the game and play harder than ever because Duke, you know, we've talked about this. Duke doesn't have a lot of depth. So these guys have been playing like the full 40 minutes. And so they're going to, they might get a little tired every now and then, but we'll see how that plays out. They might, they could, but I don't think, here's the thing. I don't think they will just because of how often they've been playing the full 40 minutes. Okay. So let me ask you a question. So you got six foot five Kobe White. That's going to be on your friend Trey Jones. Okay. Then when Roy goes to his bench, he's going to bring off seven wood wood. He's not the greatest point guard, but seven wood can start at most colleges and he's super athletic. So I think that that's going to be a matchup problem. Um, what do you think, Art? Uh, I don't think that's correct. <laughs> that's okay. Okay. Snaps. Hey, hey listen. We, but we're we, all entitled to our opinions. Look, first of all, Carolina's banged up. Uh, you've got uh, Nass. You don't know if he's 100% right now. Leakey's out. Uh, Cameron missed some, some of the Virginia game, although he, he set records at Wake Forest. So I don't think Carolina's got the deep rotation that they – you know, that they, um, you say they do because of the injuries and because of Leaky Black. So I think if Playtech plays and Brandon Robinson's going to get his minutes uh, based on what goes on in the game. And if, if Playtech gets in, it's probably going to be because Duke has gone to his own and they're going to have to move the ball and get the open shots. But, uh, you know, I don't see, unless somebody gets in foul trouble and somebody gets injured, I see Roy going with his seven guys and, and uh, for the most of it. And Duke, Duke will go with this seven. I mean, they get Jack White coming in. Uh, and they really don't play very many others besides that unless someone someone gets in foul trouble. Art's my new best friend. <laughs> you know, Art came in and you know, backed you up. <laughs> okay, so let me ask a couple of questions. Um, who's going to be the go-to guys in this game? Uh, Natalie, who's going to be the go-to guy for UNC? And then we're going to go over to you, Cambria, and say who's going to be the go-to guy or go-to guys over at Duke. Go ahead, Natalie. Easy answer for me. I mean, the first UNC point guard to start his first college game since Marcus Page. It's it's Kobe White, and, you know, I said that before. He's going to be my key to the game. I think, for me, he's my biggest player. I don't really think that's a surprise. I don't think that's a hot take. I think he's got to show up. But but more than him, we need everyone to step up. And like Art said, we got to keep it close. If we can keep it close, anything can happen in a rivalry game. Even if we're, we're beat off, you know, the face value of talent on, on Duke's end and with their roster, if you keep it close – Anything can happen. I think in terms of a starting lineup, he's going to mirror kind of what he did against UVA. I would expect to see Cam, Kobe, Luke, Garrison, Kenny. Uh, that's that's my my opinion on that, but we'll see. I And then another thing is I want to see him play a little bit more zone. I don't want to see his usual man-to-man. I think that could really change the game. I think we need more guys. And, again, I'll hammer it home. Kobe White, Kobe White, Kobe White. That's my guy, Cambria. How about your guy, Cam Reddish? Is he going to be there? Is he going to be a part of this game? He has to. It's going to be Zion. What RJ if he doesn't? What, is he, what if he, he has a bad shooting night? He's had them. Like, well, what it's not. he's had a bad shooting night, and they still won. So if Zion and RJ can carry the team, if they can be the duo that they have been, they can still win the game. But Cam's going to have to come in. I think that Cam is going to be an important factor of this, of this team for so this you're, game. You're, you're okay with the rest of the team ball watching, right? Have you seen them ball watching, just watching – the R.J. Barrett, the Zion Williamson show. Have, are you okay with that? Just watching, watching the ball? 
are you talking about the people on the bench or the people that are playing? I'm talking. I've seen it on the bench. I've seen it. I see the players like Jack White watching Zion saying, okay, well, I'm not going to run anymore because he's going to go do this amazing dunk and he's being a fan. I mean, I think this might affect those guys. I mean, Hassan, I've been saying this. There is more to basketball than being the shooter on the team. There's got to be the five people on the floor all contributing in whatever ways that they can, whether it's their shooting, whether it's assists, whether it's rebounds. You can, And I think an important factor of this game is who's going to be rebounding the most because offensive boards are going to be huge for second-chance shots. Okay, I'm going to push this conversation. We're going to go into recruiting. All right, I want you to jump into this. Um the Carolina and Coach K have a different approach. We call it Roy Williams, the family environment, where Roy's recruiting guys that are three and four stars who are going to stay four years, and he's going to win with seniors. Coach K has gone uh, the one-and-done route where he's bringing in the whole team, pushing them out, going to the NBA, and it looks great. They've got the star power. But in the next five years, Art, who is going to have more championships, Roy or Coach K? Well, you know, that's one of the major differences in the rivalry um, over the last 12 to 13 years. And I, I talk about it a lot in Blue Blood, too, because it used to be you know, players swearing at each other, spitting at each other, fighting each other and all that. Now it's more like mutual respect where Duke is inviting us to have a moment of silence in the middle of the court for Dean Smith or for Eve Carson. And we're giving Mike a plaque for a thousand wins, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the games are different because of the way the players from Duke have come in and they're obviously on a one-year hiatus to go to the NBA. That's the way it is. Now, whether the NBA Players Association changes that rule and if and when they do, then it completely changes, and I think that's the end of Coach K's career. Because right now, if you're one year, if you, if you want to go to the NBA in one year and you're, you're a player who's a potential first-round draft choice, you're going to Duke. Because, yeah, you can say, and, and they've stopped using education. I love that, that they've stopped using education because that's a joke. But it, the way to go to the NBA as fast as you can go is to go to Duke because they have the proven track record over Kentucky in the last five years. And so if, if, if you're a Haas, if you're a big-time player and you want to go to the NBA as fast as you can and get the priority, you want to go to Duke, you want to get into the first round, you want to be coached by a guy who's coached three Olympic teams. And that's the advantage that he's had. Now, Carolina has done it brilliantly because they've done it in a way where they have to take uh, three and four, maybe three-star big men, and try and coach them up. Do you think Kennedy Meeks, did you ever think Kennedy Meeks was going to win a national championship when he came in his first year? Well, I mean, let me jump in there. I, I, um, I, I don't criticize Roy anymore. Roy does what Roy does. Because he wins, right? Anytime you see something three times, it's real. So I'm thinking, hey, this family culture, Roy Williams, um, I'm a believer, right? Now the question is, who's going to win more? They both are sitting on you know, five to eight-year deals. Who will win more in the next five years? And I think if Roy can get it done this year and figure it out or next year, he might have a formula to winning college basketball with – uh, senior players, mature players, and this one-and-done thing. I mean, we saw Chris Webber, Jawan Howard, Jalen Rose, the Fab Five. They didn't get it done, right? So uh, why why do we think these guys will get it done? Well, I don't think they'll get it done. I don't think Duke will get it done because they'll lose a game like they played against Louisville for the first 30 minutes, and the other team won't completely collapse like Louisville did. And the idea that, you know, if you get guys at the end of the season, they're almost as big, almost as strong, almost as talented, almost as fast, 
but more experienced and really have more into the game than a team that if we want to win, we want to win the championship. But if we lose, we're millionaires tomorrow. (laughs) So I think the incentive is always on the other team. It makes it hard. I mean, Duke was much better than Kansas last year. They should have beaten Kansas, and they didn't. And I believe they'll have to shoot the ball well, not in all six games, but the last four games in the NCAA tournament, they're going to have to shoot the ball well, and I don't think that they they do it. And if they don't shoot the ball well on Wednesday night, they could lose. But I'm worried about Carolina's health. I'm worried about, uh, you know, playing over there. Uh, I think we're all right. The game has got to stay close. It's got to stay close. Carolina can steal it at the end. Okay, Natalie, what are your thoughts, your closing thoughts? My closing thoughts are, you know, I'm I'm with Art. I, I love what you said about, you know, if we lose today, we're millionaires tomorrow because I think that completely – just kind of encapsulates what Coach Roy does better than than some others. And he makes people buy in. And he makes people see value in working for one another day in and day out to win a championship rather than just wanting to go pro. And that's why he has guys who could go pro stay another year. And that's why he's been so successful. And, and that's why I think long-term that it will end up winning out over, let me get the next superstar and he'll be here a year and then I'll get the next superstar after him and I'll keep doing that. Let me put in one more word there. Those are all great comments. Here's two stats for you. Head-to-head, Mike Krzyzewski is 19-14 and 14 against, against Roy Williams. But in the NCAA tournament, and most Carolina fans don't even realize this, in the NCAA tournament over the last 15 years, and Roy had missed a tournament one year, his record in the NCAA tournament is so much better than Coach K's. And who's the last team to, beat a, to go to two Final Fours and win a championship since the last time the other one did it? It's Carolina's been to two Final Fours and two won a Final champ- Fours and championship since Duke last won a championship. So the idea that you have players and you can groom them and, and coach them up from players who were three stars when they started to, to pretty darn good players. Now, maybe not first-round draft choices, but there's a, you know, there's a lot of difference between a really, really good college player who can win an NCAA tournament and a first-round draft choice. And I think that's what Carolina has done really more by necessity because of the scandal in the last few years. Roy would take some one-and-dones if you could take them, but most of them didn't want to visit. Okay, well, let's uh, move on. And, Art, we're going to get to your book, Carolina Week. Uh, We've got Art Chansky here to talk about his new book, Blue Blood 2. Art, tell us about the book. Well, you know, Blue Blood, the original came out, which was the um, anecdotal uh, history of the Duke Carolina rivalry. Um, pretty much since the beginning of the ACC, the late great Al Featherston wrote a introduction which covered the pre-ACC years of the rivalry, and it was pretty interesting because Dick Grote and uh, and some other great players were in it. But this book picks up from where the last one left off, uh, the 2005 championship with for Carolina, and it goes through the last 13 seasons. And the rivalry has really changed uh, over those years, and, and I think it's because for the first time in a long time there's two coaches who are both the same age, they're both in the Hall of Fame, they've both won national championships, and it's not like they don't have anything to prove because they both want to beat the other, you know, beat the other's pants off, but they're both so accomplished, and they're both, they've, they've gotten to the age where they, you know, they might be regretting some of the things that they said and did earlier in their career, and now they're, they're mellower from a standpoint of off the court, and I think mutual respect has really replaced the bitterness in the rivalry. Fortunately, the games are still really good, and the big factor in the games is the difference in who's on the court. 
Duke fans don't like it. Duke faculty doesn't like it. But Mike Krzyzewski is the king. He makes $10 million, and he doesn't answer to anybody at Duke. And if he wants to recruit three or four one-and-done guys every year, he's going to do it. But that's what the big difference is. He's really trying to um, catch lightning in a bottle like he did in 2015 when they won with three freshmen, but they also had Quinn Cook, Emil Jefferson, and yes. – and, uh, uh, and Matt Jones, uh, who who added stability to the team. So um, I, I have a hard time believing that four freshmen can win the national championship in, in, a, in a tournament like the NCAA. Okay, so Art, um, where can our fans find um, your book? How can they find it? Oh, everywhere. It's in bookstores nationwide. Uh, it's on Amazon. Um, it's, uh, you know, just Google it. It's, it's, it's on any uh, online um, uh, online uh you know book uh purveyor but uh locally uh here in chapel hill and durham almost every book in every bookstore starting from flyleaf in chapel hill to regulate in durham to quail ridge and raleigh and all the barnes and nobles uh mcintyre's out in um um Farrington Village, almost every book. My my arm, look, my my hand is limp here, as you can see. <laughs> I've signed so many books. So if you want your autograph copy, pick one up locally at, at the bookstores and uh, enjoy it because, you know, it's a rivalry that we're lucky to have. A lot of people take it for granted. Everywhere I go around the country, people want to know, what's it like at a Duke, game, Duke Carolina game in Cameron and what's it like at a Duke Carolina game in the Dean Dome? And Fortunately, the, you know, the games are still great, and, and uh, there's not as much bad blood as there used to be. Uh, but I, I like that. I like the fact that less is going on off the court, and it's all now being directed at what's going on on the court. Okay, so, Art, can you c- give us, like, some history on the rivalry? How did this rivalry start? You know, Cambria wasn't even born <laughs> when Jerry not. Stackhouse reverse dunked on Cherokee, Cherokee Parks. Parks. Right. Were you born? <laughs> no, I don't think that one was. Though. She wasn't even 1995. born. 1995. So, oh, no, I was born the year after. <laughs> so can you just give our, our, our audience a little uh, understanding of the rivalry? How did this thing start, Art? Well, it's a great question, and it's an important question. I mean, I, the last book I did before this was Game Changes, which, which was about the integration of Carolina basketball when Dean Smith and Charlie Scott were two of the most courageous men on the planet. And that book is really important because we didn't just wake up one morning and have a great basketball program here that's, that you know has a lot of African-American players. It took two courageous guys. And so every, everything that happens now in sports, if there's a long-standing tradition, uh, has, has a backstory to it. And for Carolina uh, and Duke, it all really started because, uh, because Duke and Carolina were a football robbery back in uh, the late late 50s and early 60s. Right. The, the basketball is being dominated by NC State, a guy named Everett Case, uh, who came from Indiana and built juggernaut teams at NC State. And Carolina and Duke, they still thought football was number one on their campuses, but they wanted to uh, have basketball programs that would, uh, that would rival NC State. So, Art, you know, Give me your five greatest moments in the rivalry. What are the most signature moments? You've seen them all. Tell us about it. Well, I, <laughs> I haven't quite seen them yeah. all. Uh, 
But, uh, you know, of course, uh, the, the big one was the fight in 1961 between Larry Brown and, and Art Heyman at Duke. Because did, Heyman, did they punch each other? Oh, it was a brawl. There were only 10, you know, sort of overweight Durham policemen trying to stop all of these players and fans from coming out of the stands. And it wasn't the security like they have today. But Heyman was supposed to have gone to Duke. And he, he and his stepfather got into an argument with Frank McGuire the summer before he was supposed to enroll. So when he flew down to Raleigh-Durham Airport, he took a cab to Duke instead of UNC. And he and Brown had been rivalries on Long Island playing basketball uh, against each other for years. And they thought they were going to make up this big juggernaut team at Carolina that was going to win another national championship like they did in 1957. But they ended up arch rivals. And that game happened to be on regional television. And really, that's the night that the rivalry in basketball exploded between Duke and Carolina. So if this fist fight happened today, would everybody be suspended? I mean, would it, would it be a national tragedy? Yeah, <laughs> a national emergency. Well, it wouldn't happen today because it's become so punitive. Because of the fights that happened in the, in the 60s and the 70s, college basketball and the ACC in general put in rules that are so punitive that if you punch somebody, you're probably out for the season. You're okay. definitely out for so. Th- so this fight, this rivalry got started with a punch. Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, actually, it got thrown with Larry Brown throwing the ball into Heyman's face, <laughs> and then Heyman punching Larry Brown. All right, so give me give me another moment. What's the next greatest moment? Well, I mean, there's so many of them. Uh, I was sitting on the baseline of the 1969 ACC tournament championship i was uh, covering for the daily tar heel and charlie scott uh who was carolina's you know first the first great he wasn't the first black player in the acc but he was the first great one and uh dick grubar had hurt his knee he was the starting point guard in the first uh first five minutes of the game and bill bunning their all-american forward was in foul trouble and duke was ahead by 10 or 12 points at halftime and right in front of me and the scores table, the Duke cheerleaders were sitting, and I heard them talking about who's driving the college park next weekend for the regional. Who's driving the college park? Meanwhile, on the court, Charlie Scott has got the ball, and he's saying, give me the ball, get out of the way, everybody out of the way, everybody out of the way. How, how much were they down by? I'm, they, they were down by 12 at that point. And oh, so and he, he how took, many seconds left? Oh, it was about eight to nine minutes left in the game. Okay. And so he took over the game and ended up scoring 28 points in the second half, 40 for the game, and it was the greatest, most electrifying performance in the history of the, AC, of the ACC, but it was only on regional TV, so a lot of people didn't see it. So that's one. Then in 1974, you had the 8 points and 17 seconds game. At, All right, I saw game. that. I know. Have, did you see that, Cambria? No. Cambria? No. Say it again. How many points and how was, many seconds? They were down 8 points with 17 seconds left in the game. Wow. 8.17 seconds. Now, and I it, saw it. And they put it in overtime and won in overtime. I Jeez. wasn't there, but I saw mm-hmm. the video. <laughs> and it was amazing. And you realize that these moments have been happening like in this rivalry. And 8 points, 17 seconds, 17 seconds yeah. and, and, was, who, and who won? Carolina won in overtime. That's crazy. It was classic Dean Smith because he used all his timeouts and everything had to go right. They had to steal the ball. They did steal the ball. Walter Davis had to make a 30-footer to tie the game up at the buzzer, and he did. But let me tell you one last one. I've watched I'm old. I've watched a lot of sporting events in my life in person, and still to this day, the most intense live sporting event I've ever seen was the 1989 ACC Tournament Championship game 
in the old Omni in Atlanta between Duke and Carolina. Now, most of the years, Duke and Carolina players liked each other, they respected each other, they knew each other from recruiting. In the old days, before there was 9th Street and, you know, the foodie downtown Durham, the Dukies used to come over and party in Chapel Hill. But there was a stretch in the late 80s and early 90s where the Carolina players and the Duke players hated each other, and I mean hate with a capital H. And Duke had Danny Ferry and Christian Leitner and Quinn Snyder and those guys. Carolina had J.R. Reed, Steve Bucknall, King Rice, Jeff Lebo. They hated each other, and this game was so symbolic of what was going on in the rivalry that Krzyzewski was coming up. He had been to several Final Fours, and he was trying to take Dean Smith's uh, cheese away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the Carolina fans were treating this like they're trying to move my daddy out to pasture. And it was a brutal game. There was something like 55 fouls called in the game. Wow. Amazing amount of free 55 throws. 55 fouls. Dean and, and Mike were yelling at each other uh, down the, you know, from benches to each other. You know, Mike uh, called Dean to go, told Dean to go F himself in the, the most <laughs> famous quote in the history of the rivalry. And Carolina won 77-74 right at the end. But it was uh, – and, and the, the stupid ACC uh, organization – put the Duke fans and the Carolina fans in adjacent sections <laughs> with an aisle that was that big. Wow. And there was a secondary game that was going on in the stands between the, between the, oh, the, wow. the playing. So, it, it, so it's amazing. And, uh, uh, but now, you know, now I like it that, that every game on the court is great and there's really not a lot of drama off the court. Okay, real quick, Art. W- one sentence. Why is this the greatest rivalry in sports? Well, it is. You know, it's the proximity uh, of the schools. It's, proximity. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, small versus large. It's the p- public versus private. So all those things, opposites attract and all that. But there's only one common denominator that makes this rivalry great, and that's it. Both have, with, with, with little blips in between, you know, along the way, both have sustained the highest level of uh, college basketball play in the country over the longest period of time. And if, if one of the schools got really bad for about eight or ten years in a row, I think the rivalry would, would – I don't know if it would disappear, but it wouldn't be anywhere where it's near today. Okay, real quick, your predictions are who wins Wednesday's game? Uh, I think Duke wins because uh, I think Duke has its full complement of players. Score, Art. Playing at home, I think Duke wins 86 to 80. 86 to 80. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you you got it by six, okay? And so it's not a blowout, so it's going to be a good matchup when they come back and Carolina's going to try to It'll be a dramatic game, and and then then I think if Carolina's healthy and they get leaky back and they're playing well, and if they shoot the ball, I don't care where they play, whether it's Cameron (laughs) or... Smith Center or a garage or a driveway. They've got to <laughs> shoot the ball from three-point range. And if they yeah. do, I think they'll beat them in the dindo. Okay, Natalie, you're on the hot seat. What's the score of the game? What's the sport point spread? And is it a blowout or is it to the wire? You know, I'm, I, I think it's going to be a close game. I hope and pray it's going to be a close game for both teams. I think it's going to end up being 74-70 UNC. All right, thank you. Cambria, you're on the hot seat. Um, who wins Wednesday's game? What's the score? I'm going to say Duke all the way. I've been saying that for the past few weeks. I'm sticking with it. Duke, and I, I actually like your score. What was that, 86-80? 86-80. I actually do like that. I was thinking around that. Maybe maybe UNC down by three. I would give them that. Benefit of the doubt. You never know. <laughs> okay, here's what I've got. Oh, okay. Carolina, 87-86. The winning shot is going to be Cam Johnson from the wing. And we out. Thank you for coming. Art, thank you. Um, Go get Art Tkansky's book, Blue Blood 2. It's in stores. You can get it at Amazon.com. 
any VOD book outlet and uh, go check out the book for you guys who were born in the 90s. Like you, Camry, what are you, like 2007? What? 97? Born in 97? 96. 96. Okay. Well, you got That's a whole history of the rivalry that you need to know about. Get Blue Blood 2. Um, and get Blue Blood 1. And also. get yeah, Blue get Blood 1 books. as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because it details all of the rivalry. Yeah. And um, Art, thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. It's a pleasure with you. Thank House you. always is. Nice to be with you. It was really nice to be with you, too. Yeah. This episode of Blue Blood TV Podcast was brought to you by the Blue Blood Rivalry 5K. The Blue Blood Rivalry 5K will begin at 8.30 in the morning on Saturday, March 9th in Meadowmont Village, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Sign up for the Blue Blood Rivalry 5K at BlueBloodRivalryRun.com. I'm going to say it again. BlueBloodRivalryRun.com. We look forward to seeing all of you Saturday, March 9th at 8.30 a.m. I rip you up like a chainsaw The game's wrong, boy, please believe it Keep your Bible with me Cause you gon' be leading Jesus Feeding for dark, diamond hits And Archie ain't gon' stop dropping shit I'ma make a million dollars Then 